is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackleb, and it is Tuesday, July 14th. The preview series rolls on today. New Orleans and those New York football giants. We're going to dive right in here with the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans? What is it? How do you say it right? New Orleans? New Orleans? New Orleans? Whatever. The team's really good. However you say it, they're freaking really good on paper. And we'll start at the top with one Drew Brees. Last year, the unfortunate injury early in the season kind of derailed things for some fantasy folks. The nice thing is it's quarterback, so you can, you know, if it's a one-quarterback league, you can make up ground. But we saw Teddy come in, and and really the, the offense still worked. It just it wasn't the same, but it worked. Then Breeze comes back in week eight, and he was really good down the stretch. Uh, finishes fourth in week eight. Now, uh, they had their bye in week nine, but week 10, 21st, meh. 10th in week 11, all right. 7th in week 12, all right. 25th. This is one of those weird things. You know, I, I pointed this out in the series. Certain players just have bad, it seems like bad weeks every year. Like ba- week 13 for Breeze. Last year, 25th. The year before, 30th. The year before that, 21st. It's just straight across the board, not good. But anyway, week 14 rebounds in the fantasy playoffs, he was solid. First in week 14, third in week 15, seventh in week 16, and even finished sixth in week 17. Not that we care for season long, but DFS, solid enough week. He was rock solid. 25 touchdown passes over the final 10 weeks of the season. Uh, only Lamar, Jameis, and Ryan Tannehill, Jameis, averaged more fantasy points per game because, hey, Jameis is his backup now. But more fantasy points per game over that stretch. So he was fourth uh, in PPG during the last 10 weeks of the season. That's pretty darn good. And I, I should mention, by the way, Jameis is the backup. Jameis is the backup. If he go, if Breeze goes down, Taysom is not the backup. And you'll see on ESPN, for example, Taysom is tight end eligible, not QB eligible. So he may actually have the QB. I, I'm, I'm not sure if he has the duel, but I know he has tight end. And I know there are sites out there who are labeling him as a tight end. I haven't gone that far. I'm still ranking him as a quarterback, but that may be the end. I, I, we'll see where the industry lands by the time fantasy drafts roll around. Regardless, Jameis, if he gets if he gets a, a, a Teddy shot here where he gets a little stretch, Jameis could put up some monster numbers. Now, he'll put up a lot of interceptions as well, but monster numbers here. Either way, I have Drew Brees ranked at 11. I do think he is a, a safer quarterback if you can get him in round 9, 10. He, he could be one of the safe options. I'm not going to overspend for him, but I don't think you have to this year. That's the nice thing there about Drew Brees. Uh, of course, he's throwing a ball to really one of the best wide receivers we've seen from an efficiency standpoint, perhaps ever, even though it's very early in his career. But Michael Thomas, I mean, coming off a record-setting season. And the crazy thing about Thomas is I'm projecting him at 122 catches. And I know that you know we're, we're sort of spoiled by video game numbers sometimes where we expect all the numbers to be monster. But having done projections really for the last decade, I can tell you, 122 catches is a freaking lot. <laughs> it's insane to project that many. And I look at it and I'm like, am I too light? <laughs> Should I be projecting more? That's how good this guy is. He's the clear number one for me this year. I like Devontae Adams a lot, don't get me wrong. I uh, just talked about him a few episodes back on the Packers preview. But man, oh man, Michael Thomas. 
and I have him projected at nine receiving scores, uh, almost 1,500 receiving yards. I mean, just across the board. And the beauty here is there's very minimal competition. I mean, yes, Manny Sanders is in the building now, but Manny Sanders is getting long in the tooth. You know, he's he's no spring chicken. Traquan Smith is there, and I still have hope for Traquan in Dynasty, but really, you're not getting any competition from the wideouts. Where your competition comes from for, for targets is really Jared Cook, who I, I, I think it's maybe a little conservative projecting him at 48 catches, 683, and five and a half scores. Uh, I think that's a little conservative, but he's not going to eat up a ton of the targets. Kamara is actually the number two target for me. So, by the way, Jared Cook just inside my top 10 tight ends, but he's typically not a guy I'm targeting. You know, if I'm going to hit a tight end, I'm probably not going to hit in that range. That's that Gronk range where you don't quite know what you're going to get with these older guys, right? So, I have Gronk and Cook right in that range. I'd rather wait a round or two and go into the Hawkinson, Gesicki, Fant, uh, that sort of territory instead of targeting in that range. So, you know, sort of pick and choose your spots, your battles with each of these positions. So let's talk about one Alvin Kamara. Because as I said, I do have him projected to see the second most targets on this squad. I have him with 102, which is actually just a tick more. It's seven more targets than he saw last year. Uh, he had 81 catches last year. I've made 83 catches this year. I think, you know, consistency in the passing game for sure we can expect that. Now, the challenge with Kamara, and the reason why people are perhaps a little bit down on him, is the touchdown regression that we saw last year. And I talk about touchdown regression all the time. When you have an amazing touchdown season, it is almost impossible <laughs> to follow that season up with, an, with another amazing touchdown season. It just doesn't even, it doesn't happen. 14 touchdowns in 2018 on the ground, four as a receiver, so 18. That's incredible. He had six last year. That is a big drop-off. He had five as a runner, one as a receiver. A big drop-off. And unfortunately, it caused a drop-off, a decline in his fantasy production, but he was still just as good on the field. I'm going to argue that till the day I die. In fact, I think there were areas where he was more effective. You know, he was more effective after contact last year. 3.2 yards after contact per attempt as a runner in 2019. In 2018, 2.8. So he was more effective. He was more effective on a per-carry basis. He didn't have any 100-yard rushing games. That's fine. He only had one the year before. He's not a high-volume guy. I mean, you hope that he gets close to 200 carries, but I, I, I'm fine with, with the 171 that he had last year if he's going to catch 81 balls. I'm fine with that. If we can get Alvin Kamara into the 250 touch range and having, what, 30-plus percent of those come from, you know, roughly a third of them come from catches, I'm fine with that. I am fine with that. And if anything, I hope that people undervalue him. The problem, of course, is that the, and I, and I talked about this on yesterday's pod, the Dalvin Cook potential holdout really throws a wrench into the system. Because if you said, hey, Dalvin Cook isn't going to hold out, I think there are people out there who might take him ahead of Kamara. You know, Kamara might fall. I did see that in early mocks before the holdout talk became a thing. So once we get a little clarity there, maybe we end up getting a little value on Kamara. For now, I'm happy taking him 
as the fourth or fifth player in drafts. You know, it really depends on where Michael Thomas goes. I would take Michael Thomas ahead of him, even in half point PPR. Um, maybe not in non PPR. I'm not in any non PPR leagues right now. I probably will end up doing some mocks for the site. Obviously, the site ftnfantasy.com. Uh, it's up. It's glorious. And it's your time to save. I mean, the paywall is up, but the earlier you sign up, the earlier, uh, the the better the prices are, uh, obviously. So anyway, I don't know if we're going to get as much value on Camara as I'd hoped, but I'll still take, you know, hey, if I, I love the 1.5. I love the 1.4 this year. I don't like the 1.6, but if I'm at 1.4 or 1.5 and I end up getting Camara, I'll be pretty happy with that in, 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 the, in you know, any league that I'm in, essentially. Uh, and that, you know, obviously, you know, two quarterback super flex, it changes things a little bit. He's going to get pushed down because I do think that both Mahomes and Lamar are going to go before him. And, and that's fine. You know, I, I, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to address quarterback in the first round in a super flex or a two quarterback league. Anyway, so that's fine with me. Allows value to fall to me. So let's head on over to the New York football giants and let's start with one Daniel Dimes Jones. Daniel Jones is a very interesting player this year. Now, I think we have to be very clear on expectations. We kind of already know what we're going to get with him. He is going to be volatile. He's going to be volatile. He's still a young quarterback. He's he's learning the position, of course, or you know, learning the learning curve at the pro level. Let's put it that way. And yet, we've already seen an enormous fantasy ceiling out of him. And it's not just like he had one week last year. He really had four weeks last year where he blew up. Week three, number two. That was that was the big, that was the coming out game. Week eight, after a, a stretch of duds, week eight goes out, was the number one fantasy quarterback. Week 10, the number four. And then again in week 16, the number one. The ceiling is there. If you're doing it one time, you could fool us. If you're doing it more than one time, and we're not paying attention, we're the fools. Daniel Jones did it multiple times last year, like what I saw with him in those games. There were a lot of games where we didn't like what we saw with him, but I'm willing to take the stab on him now, given where you're going to get him. I mean, you're not paying for Daniel Jones uh, at this point. Really, it's not a premium price. I mean, he's going in the 11th round. He's the number 15 fantasy quarterback off the board in consensus ADP. Totally fine with that. Totally 100% fine with that because he's a guy who you're going to swing for the fences with. You know, he, of the safe and upside approach, he is the upside. He is certainly far from safe, but we know what the upside is. And then when you look to the rest of the team, you know, and by the way, he's a decent enough runner. He's not going to rush for seven, eight hundred yards. But what if, you know, could he rush for two fifty, three bills? Absolutely. I mean, he already last year he rushed for two eighty six, and I'm somewhat conservatively projecting him at two fifty nine this year. Um, you know, scrambling as a young kid, yeah, of course. But he he's a pretty good athlete. You know, there's a lot of Eli Manning to him, but that's one area where he is not Eli Manning. You know, he's certainly much more mobile. So he's going to add fantasy points with his legs, and and that helps with the floor a little bit. I just think the volatility is just still going to be off the charts with him this year. So you have to be prepared for that. But when you look at who he's throwing to, 
it isn't an elite trio of wideouts, but it's not too bad, is it? You know, you have Sterling Shepard who, if he can stay healthy with the, you know, the concussion issues, he is a he's a solid inside-outside receiver. You have Golden Tate, who we know, rock solid slot receiver. And then you have Darius Slayton, who is a, a really impressive field stretcher. Now, for me, I've been leaning more towards Shepard and Tate than towards Slayton in fantasy drafts because Slayton tends to go a little bit early. He's one of the it guys right now where people talk him up, talk him up, talk him up. And now he's going in in a range in drafts where I am just not comfortable taking him. I've seen him go uh, as early as the seventh round. His ADP is in the ninth round right now. It's still a tad early for me. Seventh round's way too early. Whereas you look at somebody like Golden Tate, people are avoiding Golden Tate like the plague. I don't know why. He's his ADP is in the twelfth round. Golden Tate last year was pretty darn solid. He played in 11 games for the Giants. He was outside of the top 30 at the position uh, in three of those games. So eight times inside the top 30. Now, he only had two top 10s. But generally speaking, I mean, if you're going to get a guy in the 11th round, 12th round, who you could plug in, especially during the bye weeks, and, and you know you're probably going to get a top 30 week, you're going to get at least a wide receiver three week out of him, why not? Whereas with Slayton, yeah, Slayton, you could get like the number one, number two, number three receiver for the week, but you could also very easily be like the number 90 if he catches one ball for eight yards. Tate's not going to do that. Now, Tate, eh, occasional upside. He's getting a little older, but for me, he's probably the best value of the group. I think Shepard's a decent enough value, but obviously take on a little bit of risk with the concussion issues. So, that's kind of where I stand. Slayton is the sexy option. There's no doubt about it, but sexy doesn't always win fantasy championships. Um, speaking of sexy, Evan Ingram is sexy, but he's another one. Can he stay healthy? So far through the course of his career, he has not shown the ability to stay healthy on a consistent basis, but I am still more than happy to take on that risk, especially where you're drafting him in round six, seven, eight. That is the tight end wheelhouse. I currently... Have him just a tick ahead of Tyler Higby, just a tick ahead of Hunter Henry. And it's really because of that massive ceiling that that Ingram has already shown over the course of his career. The challenge, of course, eight games played last year, 11 games played the year before that. He's really starting to rack up time missed. 13 games over the last two seasons. Not good. But if he stays on the field, I mean, this is a type of player where if he stays on the field... This time next year, he gets a 16-game season in. We could be talking about him as a top-five option, uh, top-three option, maybe knocking on the door of the elite conversation. Very, very, very likely. So you're taking that shot, knowing, yes, you could have some injury in here, but also knowing you have enormous upside with Evan Ingram. And obviously, we know we have enormous upside with Saquon Barkley. I've had some people talking to me about Barkley and then Deion Lewis being in the mix and Deion Lewis being labeled as the handcuff. I'm not really convinced of that. I still think if Barkley went down, we'd see some combination of Deion Lewis in the passing game, Wayne Gallman in the run game. So I don't think there's a really a, a cuff here in this offense. Deion Lewis isn't going to be it between the tackles. 15-plus carry a game guy. He never was that at the pro level, so more of a passing down guy. 
So just keep that in mind. There's no true cuff. If Barkley goes down, it's kind of like, yeah, we're just going to piecemeal this thing together like they did last year, essentially. But I love Saquon. I love the way he plays the game. You know, he is he's really a true modern fantasy running back, or modern NFL running back, not just modern fantasy running back. He's across the board. He can, you know, really dominate in the run game, but he also is so freaking good in the passing game. He may not see the volume of Christian McCaffrey in the passing game, but I mean, Barkley, you almost ink him in for 60 plus catches. You say, yes, yeah, 70s on the table, and it wouldn't shock any of us if he if he went north of 80 in addition to getting 250 plus carries. So you're talking a, a legit 300 plus touch guy, a legit could threaten 300 carry guy in addition to 60 plus catches. That volume plus his home run hitting ability puts him squarely in the number two spot. The the concern, if anything, is you know th- that you have a guy who can run a little bit at quarterback, maybe takes a little bit of the the workload off of uh, Barkley's pay- plate and in the run game. Maybe the team isn't as good, uh, you know, and, and that could hurt from a game script standpoint. But the thing I like about Barkley is even in bad game scripts, he's still going to catch a bunch of balls, so he gives you that nice floor regardless. I don't think they're really those are major concerns. I mean, we have to throw them out there because if I don't and just paint a rosy picture, I don't think that does anybody any justice. But at the same time, I mean, there's just it's a little bit of separation between Barkley and McCaffrey for me, but Barkley is still in that elite tier. So there you go. The New York football giants coming up next. This will be tomorrow on the podcast. We'll talk about the New York Jets. Sam Darnold getting some help at wide receiver. Brashad Perryman in the house. Denzel Mims, two bigger-bodied, fast receivers can get downfield. Of course, you have Jamison Crowder there. Will Chris Herndon surface this year? Mm, Who knows? Lev Bell? Lev Bell. We will talk some Lev Bell. And then, of course, we'll talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, Carson Wentz made the proverbial shine last year with no receivers, still passed for 4,000-plus yards. What does he do now that they did address the position, bringing in Jalen Rager, uh, bringing in Marquise Goodwin, drafting you know not only Rager, but John Hightower, another guy who can fly downfield. Will he contribute here? Of course, we know the tight ends are awesome. Miles Sanders, should we be all in on Miles Sanders or not? Interesting questions indeed. We will talk about that on the show tomorrow. Hey, by the way, really appreciate everybody reviewing the show on iTunes. It really helps me out a ton. So if you haven't done so already, super easy to do. Go into your iTunes app on your phone if you have an iPhone. Scroll down to the bottom of the Rat Pack page and just click the darn stars. You can also review the show as well. It's super helpful. Gets the word out about the rant. I love doing this for you, and this is your way to help me keep doing this. Appreciate that uh, a ton. Of course, also stop by ftnfantasy.com. Go check out the new website. This thing's awesome, and it's going to get better. It gets, it gets better day by day. Every single day, we're adding stuff to the site. Uh, it's a really cool project to be a part of. Super proud of what we have accomplished there, so go check that out, ftnfantasy.com. Of course, you can also follow along with me on social media, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter and Instagram. Use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. You get priority, Rat Pack. You get priority. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here. 